Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Welcome to Bridging the Gap with Tariq El Amin. I'd like to thank my sponsor, CIOGC. That's the Council of Islamic Organizations of Greater Chicago. You can check out their work at CIOGC.org. Uh, I'll say it again, CIOGC.org. And you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, uh, BTG with TIE. That's BTG with TIE. All right, I'm not going to waste a lot of time with a bunch of meaningless announcements. I am excited to get back to it. It has been, it feels like forever, right? But I am joined by the incomparable, um, my sister from another mother, uh, <laughs> Layla Abdullah-Poulos. Uh, you all know her as the uh, author of the Brother, Brothers-in-Law series, uh, founder of NBA Muslims, adjunct professor, uh, literary critic, and a bunch of other stuff. But uh, let's get to it. Assalamu alaikum. Alaikum and mother of six, you hear them. Yeah, that's all good. We're on lockdown, <laughs> so I got all of them at home. We are Plus all on lockdown. More. We are all on lockdown. And How is it in Chicago? It's, um, man, I don't know if there's one word to really describe it. Um, yeah. But I'll, I'll say this much, because I'm on the outskirts, and okay. there's no tissue out here. There's no tissue, but I'm hearing from my family in the in the city and they're saying that yeah we got tissue here well tell them to bring you some i think right. the suburbanites got scared i really yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> because i live in the suburbs i live in on long island uh -huh. so it's right outside of new york city right outside of new york city and there's no paper products at all just like forget it you know you're not going to get it there's no cleaning products, uh, disinfectant spray, hand sanitizer. Like people went crazy with a lot of stuff. Mm. I think they got it, got scared. I think that that human beings are always prepared to go into this fight or flight thing and yeah. represent one of the ways that it manifests is hoarding. Mm -hmm. And so people get scared. I mean, this is a frightening pandemic. Yeah. Okay. There's a lot of uncertainty around it. You know, they don't know much about this virus, about COVID-19. Well, COVID-19 is a disease. It's COVID-SARS, something. Yeah. That's the virus that causes it. And so people are scared and, and they're especially scared. I think where I live is very red. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's very red where I live. And I think that people are always ready for this idea of like kind of like this apocalyptic situation or like government on, on that note I, I gotta tell you i went to well maybe i shouldn't be saying this but I, i'm gonna say it i went to uh cabela's do you all have cabela's in uh in new york I don't think so. No. I don't know what okay, that so is. Cabela's is, is it's like a hunting and outfitting store. You know, they got oh, no. artillery. We, and, that. we have you know. Dicks. Okay, all right. Well, yeah, I, I guess yeah. you could say it's it's somewhat like a Dicks, but um the emphasis is really that the whole outdoorsy, you know, uh type thing and, and the hunting and all of that. And mm. it was crazy. We went through the day before the stay at home uh uh stay at home order, you know, was issued here in Illinois. And it was, I mean, it was just this long line of folks that were in the gun line. Mm. You know, they were just, you know, at the counters, uh, grabbing ammunition, 
Uh, and I don't know if it was that way everywhere. I guess it was to some degree. It was. I got a text. It was. It I was. A, I got a text Dicks from this gun range. <laughs> I got a text from a gun range telling me, uh, we are fully stocked and, stocked and we have ammo and we're open. I'm like, man, you know, mm -hmm. they, they know what people are thinking. Well, you know, it, it's funny because I went with a gun enthusiast to um, a gun store mm -hmm. and because uh, Dick's is cleaned out. So we had like Calabella, Calabella's, it's Dick's, yeah. okay, and like an outdoor, you know, and they have plenty of guns and stuff like that. That's cleaned out. So we have small, a, a lot, a few small gun shops mm -hmm. on the island in the county where I live. And so we went there and it was a line. It was a long line. And the scary thing was, was that the person that I was with is a gun enthusiast. This person knows firearms. Right. Okay. And they said that they were very concerned by some of the conversations that were happening, that there are people who are buying guns out of this fear. Okay. Of uh, shutdowns, hoarding, and people coming after your stuff, right. basically. And they know nothing about firearms. Yeah. <laughs> <I was> just like <laughs> listening to the conversation, this person was like, oh my God, people are going to get killed because these people, just listening to these people, they know nothing about firearms. And it's a big responsibility that goes with those. So I think that people get scared. They start stockpiling on stuff and everything like that. And that's what you see. Which is a shame because not everyone can do that. Mm -hmm. And so when there's empty shelves and someone has to wait until they get their paycheck or something like that to go shopping, they face empty shelves. Right. right? People who just to feel a little bit more secure feel like they need to take all of whatever is there. Right. Like that's you know? the last that they're going to see of it. Yeah. Now, like, like it's the last thing I'm going to see of it. Like manufacturers are all of a sudden not going to be making products anymore, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things that I see, you know, and I see things that, that disappearing that you normally don't see, you know? So that's been another thing. So like there have been things like eggs. My store has limited it. You can only buy one dozen eggs per yeah, yeah. visit. You know, you can't buy more eggs. And, uh, beans like dry beans those almost gone rice like a lot of staples that people who don't have a lot of money live off of right. you know are not there so when they go there those things are not there uh i know that people are stockpiling on like wick products right yeah you know so like women and infants and children those things you get the the uh, do they still use the checks i think they use the checks i'm not sure and it has specific things the checks yeah. has Specific thing that you specific thing that you could put oh, on. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The the the, the yeah, yeah, peanut butter, eggs. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So now you can only get one dozen eggs. It's usually more than that. Dry beans you can get. So like there's specific things that you can get for your the, that women can get for their children, for themselves and their children to have nutritional meals. They're not they're not there. Right. Those things are not there. They keep, people can't get that. And so it's just like this fear mentality has led to a lot of hoarding. And, you know, for me, it's been an inconvenience, but I worry about those people for whom these things are essential and they, they can't get to them. You know, uh, my wife and I were talking about this, and one of the things that uh, we both recognize really quickly is that in, in emergency situations uh, like this, 
that income becomes a real, it plays a real role in determining how you're able to navigate through that, you know, with, with minimal disruption, right? You think about folks who are, you know, uh, in income insecure, uh, you know, and it's, it's a different, it's a completely different reality, you know, complaining about not being able to find uh, tissue, you know, is, is, is one thing, right? But, um, but not being able to get the food that you, those lower priced items that you are normally, normally able to get in bulk, right? Mm-hmm. And those things not being there, that's a, you know, or if, or if you don't have uh, transportation, you're relying on public transportation to get where you have to go. It's, it's a completely different ball game. Um, it, it is definitely mm-hmm. different. And where I live, there is, uh, it's a mixture. You know, I live in one of those uh, middle class, working class hybrid neighborhoods. Yeah. So you have people who have, can buy all of that stuff and grabbed all the stuff off the shelves. And you have people who can't, they mm-hmm. just simply can't do it. And so it's just like, you just can't find it. And so, you know, we do have food pantries and stuff like that. So that's a good thing, yeah. but it's just like if you income does play, I see it. I see it playing out mm-hmm. when I go to when I was going to the supermarket and stuff. I just saw that playing out. That and now there's lines. Right now there are lines because now the stores are only letting a certain amount of people in at a time. Mm-hmm. Okay, tell, tell me this, um, because I know. We're gonna have to. We're gonna do this a couple of times, right? We'll be doing this for a while, but yeah. I want to ask you something uh, specifically because you've been you've been doing a number of uh, stories uh, covering how COVID nineteen is impacting uh, Muslims, you know, mm-hmm. and although there was some argument, and it's, I won't even get into the arguments, but it was it was funny. What argument? Well, the arguments were people were not ready for this. Muslims were not ready for this. Um, they were, uh, by and large, waiting for someone to offer some direction on, uh, once they said, you know, the Juma, you know, and in church as yeah. well, you got to yeah. shut them down, right? Yeah. And people are like, well, this is a, a foundational practice, you know, an element of our faith. You know, this is obligatory, you know, it's part of Ayn. So what do we do? Right. So the whole idea yeah. of a virtual Juma. Yeah. Right? yeah. There were people, man, there were people who were like, no, you know, you can't do that. You know, that's great. There's go ahead. still a community. OK, I won't name the community or anything like that, but there's there. There are different. There are a bunch of massages where I live. Yeah. I don't know. One, two, three, four, like four. One, two, three, four in a surrounding area. And they're different ones. So there's a Sufi one. There's a Turkish one. There's my uh, masjid, which is like diverse, mm-hmm. but it's really mainly like Sunni Muslims. But it's like uh, we have South Asians, Arabs, native-born Americans, like that. And so there's still one masjid where they're still holding Juma. Okay, mm. yes, they're still holding Juma, uh, despite the fact that first of all there's a coalition of muslim physicians mm-hmm. on long island who recommended that they not have juma first before yeah. the shutdown right you know they said it was dangerous i i had the opportunity to interview a um infectious disease specialist for hot hijab 
even before the Muslim physicians, and she said the same thing. She said, you know, there are things that, that the way that this disease acts, there are things that we do every day as Muslims that we really need to curtail, yeah. okay? The handshaking, the kissing, mm-hmm. the hugging each other, you know, that is, it's, it's part of our cultural tradition, but it's not something that is mandatory. I mean, giving the salams is mandatory. Right. But she suggested, listen, you really have, people really have to be careful. This disease is, can be very, very dangerous. And so then the, the panel of Muslim physicians said, listen, you need to shut down Juma prayers and and congregational salats yeah. because you stand shoulder to shoulder. There's no six feet. Right. You put <laughs> And you're putting your head, your head is going on a carpet. That someone could have sneezed on, yep. coughed on, breathed on. You, you know, we already know it travels through droplets and it stays a long time on hard surfaces. So there needs to be adjustments. And I think that one of the thing, the tragic things that has manifest is that by and large, many Muslims are challenged to make those adjustments Mm -hmm. because they see this deem very finite on this one singularity of what you do and how you do it and everything like that. And yes, there are far aspects of the deen, but part of Allah's mercy is that there are aspects of it where you can make those adjustments, but people are not prepared to. So there is a masjid. Not only did they keep making Jumar prayer, Mm -hmm. but they went to our masjid. Okay. Mm -hmm. And as people came, they said, no, we're still having prayer over there. So it was very, very, very dangerous behavior under this guise of sanctimony. Well, how can you close Allah's house? Because you want to keep the worshipers safe. You want to keep his servants safe. Did did we forget that the earth is a masjid? The earth is a masjid. And we're living in a time where it's like, first of all, we can't think along the lines that Muslims have never encountered anything like this before. So our our inability, uh, some of our inabilities to adjust is not it's part of you know like being muslim it's it's happened historically so you can't think we're living in a time where we actually have the technology to kind of keep things going you know so i had asked that question i was like what i mean the the whole idea of community of of a jamaat would look completely different if there had been social media during the time of the Prophet Sallallahu <laughs> Right? You I mean, imagine the Prophet doing lives. Right? I mean, <laughs> it, it would, so, I mean, this, this, this was, for me, it was just an opportunity for us to expand our, uh, our thinking and to use the tools that yeah. Allah has given us now to continue uh, uh, our bonds of community. Right? That's, yeah. to me, that was the, the whole trial uh, has Absolutely. been the trial in this for, uh, for me. Yeah. And, and I think that leadership that has taken the responsibility to really kind of think of new and inventive ways yeah. of still ministering yeah. to uh, their congregants is extremely important because this is a very traumatic time, okay? And people are going through stuff and this is something that will really impact your faith Mm-hmm. Especially says if you're used to connecting with your creator a certain way, right. and now that's been 
this, now that's been limited. You can't do it that way anymore. And you have to think of ways. It's really important for the leadership to kind of be on the front end of this mm-hmm. and be like, this is what we're offering. This is what we have. You know, so I think that you and I know that um, my uncle down in Tampa, he does lives mm-hmm. uh, at, for the Muslim Connection. Yeah. Down in Tampa, there are imams that are doing live khutbahs uh, digitally over the internet. I think that that's extremely important because it is a very bad thing that we cannot go to Allah's house. It is. It would be extremely tragic if we completely lost our connection to our leadership and our ways of uh, empowering our spirit, uh, 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 getting upliftment connecting with each other because we're very our the being socially connected is a very big part of our dean absolutely matter of fact that's that's the essence of the the human experience i mean to be a human we are social creatures exactly we're social creatures and so much of our dean does involve interacting socially but now we just simply cannot Mm -hmm. we just can't if we want to keep people safe we can't and let me let me speak to that for a second because Mm-hmm. Um, I read uh, an article. Somebody po- it was in the LA Times, which I'm not a subscriber to, and uh, but the the title got me, and it was basically talking about moving away from the language social distancing to physical distancing, because we I mean, what we're talking about is proximity. We're not talking about relationships, and mm-hmm. to be social, that's to be engaged, and we don't we've lost the the physical aspect of that. But mm. in terms of us being able to continue to engage one another and communicate and, and, and foster those bonds um, that, that serve to, to, to give us these vibrant communities that we have, that's still available to us. So the trial is really in uh, how, how much do you want it, right? How bad do yeah. you want it and how creative can you be to make sure that you maintain that? Uh, so I've been I jumped on that bandwagon and I've been pushing. I've been using the term physical distancing. Because mm-hmm. when you say social, it's very easy for us to feel like, man, I, you know, I really am isolated. I'm alone. It, it, you know, I think subconsciously it has different uh, implications. Well, it's, I, I totally agree with you, especially since uh, a lot of us build relationships through social media. Yeah. So when you think about you and I, for instance, mm-hmm. you know, it's been, it, we were connecting and, and working together before we met each other for like two years almost, right? Right, right. You know, I, I, with Marguerite Aziza from the Muslim Anti-Racism Collaborative, my work with her, she's all the way in California, I'm in New York. Mm-hmm. So we, did, we didn't even meet until after I was already on board and doing stuff and everything like that. So a lot of us have developed uh, collaboratives, relationships, all kinds of things, networked through social media. So we are still being social in that sense, you know, and and it's ironic that one of the things that's been touted as the bane to our societal existence. (laughs) That's what's, that's what's holding us together right now. It's definitely, it's now holding us together because you need to be able to get in contact, keep contact, be able to uh, uh, interact with people, whatever way you can. So that's why I said the leadership that's doing that is very important because you'd be surprised. It's not a lot. No, it's not. It's not not a lot of leadership that's doing that, you know, um, and and, and, in all levels of society, I mean, digital interfacing has become 
mandatory, a requirement. Yeah. And there have been people who have been lagging behind when it comes to learning how to use it. Yeah, yeah, we've definitely that seen that. Muslim leadership. That includes Muslim leadership, you know. Yeah. Not everyone is able to do a podcast, do a Facebook Live, go on Instagram, do an Instagram Live, uh, get video editing to put something up on YouTube or, or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So it's not a lot. It's comparatively not a lot of leadership. So it becomes very important that the leadership that can does do these things. And it's also important that Muslims that are familiar mm -hmm. with the technology help the leadership that isn't to encourage them. Listen, you know, your congregants need to hear your voice. Right. So why don't you offer this way, this platform? We don't have the luxury of getting stuck in. I'm going to be harsh about it because, you know, I'm not as diplomatic as I could be. We, let me, let me sip my coffee while you go ahead. With your coffee. We don't have time. Honestly, I'm coming from the perspective of a worshiper as a lay Muslim. We don't have the time, energy, or inclination to sit back and uh, have our leadership just kind of wrap themselves in this sanctimony that, you know, we're going, we need to do it this way, right. you know? And it's just like, because we are in crisis mode. Mm -hmm. Muslims, everyone is in crisis mode and the, the faith has, there's an opportunity f for people to strengthen themselves through the faith. And if the leadership is not there to serve, serve mm -hmm. their congregants, then it's just going to make things worse. Here, well, let me, let me say this first. Um, I absolutely empathize as, as being one of the people in, in a position to have to make, uh, well, be be responsible for that final decision of saying, before it was an order. Okay, oh, we're going to suspend uh, uh, Salat Juma. Uh, it, it was uh, it was it was nerve wracking. Um, yeah, yeah, it was. It was very, um, yeah. It was, it was a lot of confliction uh, mm -hmm. there. But ultimately, what it came down to was, you know, taking Shura and. Yeah. And, and talking with folks, and I'm uh, tr tremendously blessed to have, not just on you know on the masjid board, a number of uh, professionals and, and medical professionals in particular, but yeah. the um, uh, resident Imam Emeritus, uh, Dr. Mikhail Ramadan, Imam Dr. Mikhail Ramadan, he uh, he still serves on the board. So I I was able to uh, talk with him, and and his he was just definitive he was you know it was no hesitation he was like look we got to shut this down <laughs> you know yeah simple as I that mean, papa bear was running around here he was on the phone on the phone on the phone yeah uh i saw the strain in his face yeah because that's that's a hard decision to make to tell uh a law of servants you can't come to his house but yeah. that's basically what's going to be translated as that's what yeah yeah but you know what as. And I think this is also coming from a, 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 I think from a from an experience where we have often had to make something out of nothing. Mm. Um, there's a there's a certain creativity and acceptance of you know when things just don't go the way you want them to. Where, you know, when this situation came up, it was, yeah, it's going to be rough. It, it's hard, but 
this is what we got to do. Now we got to think about what we have to do next. And I feel like, yeah. and, and in some instances, we had a lot of folks uh, in the community that were still stuck in that point where they were vacillating between, um, well, not even vacillating, but they were just, they were at a point of paralysis, you know, uh, paralysis through analysis. And yeah. they couldn't do anything. But I wanted to say yeah. I really, my my absolute the core of myself goes out to all of those who had to make uh, that decision. And, and there were some who did not come to that immediate decision to say, we're going to, you know, shut down. They tried to, they, you know, they tried to make adjustments. Uh, so I don't say anything with any judgment, uh, yeah. negative judgment towards them, but um, just looking at where we're at right now, do you think, and this is a broader question about our interaction uh, with, with social media, because um, we are so used to using this Muslims, non-Muslims, everybody. We're so used to using social media as a way to paint the picture of ourselves that we, you know, that we would like to be mm. our reality. Right. But yeah. now in this state where everybody is at home. Right. Um, and even those who are working. Right. Everything is, is completely different. Do you think that this is now put us in a position where people can actually be or going to be forced to be more honest in their interactions or the depiction of, uh, of themselves and, and their reality uh, now? Do you think it's going to have I, any impact? I'd have to say off the bat, no. <laughs> ah, so, so we still going to get those, those posts. I'm balling. Yes. We've been, we have been, People who, who have been using social media, and especially for specific purposes of creating this, I don't want to call it a facade, yeah. but just like you said, really focusing on one aspect of their life. Posting their best self. Their, yeah, but posting their best self, their best life. Yeah. People have become very, very efficient at doing that. You know, and social media, digital, you know, digitally, you are allowed this, this really an opportunity to correct mistakes. Yeah. You know, that's a nice way to put that brush. You can airbrush, you can yeah. Photoshop, you can video edit. You just, just hit your premiere, <laughs> Adobe premiere rush, right? <laughs> clip, 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 you know? So yes, we can definitely do that, you know, with the exception one, thing that kind of levels that off are live feeds live stream like a mistake happens live stream a mistake happens live stream but i think that viewers have been kind of anesthetized a little bit mm -hmm. to those mistakes to like really kind of looking over those mistakes type of thing so no i don't think that we're going to be more honest mm. uh if anything i think that there may be an opportunity for people to be less honest because people have to hide their inefficiency hmm. okay so as we are as it becomes more and more a requirement to kind of engage in into these uh technologies you know people who are not as efficient will have to kind of like hide that and go covert and go undercover so, so you're saying so you're saying that for those people they may actually be less present during this time Oh yeah, I think there'll be I, I think there, there'll be people who will just by virtue of the fact that they don't know what they're doing at a certain level will definitely not be present 
that they're the same people that were not on social media and, and would say, you know, I just don't do it. I just don't do it. And a lot of times it's because they don't know how to do it. Yeah. I think that, you know, one of the things that's really important, and that was something that I learned from Marguerite. Okay. Mm-hmm. And she taught me a lot about social media. So you may hear her name a lot. Yeah. Was, she, she uh, isn't, she is an expert. She's an expert. And her Marguerite best Aziza, practices, uh, folks, uh, if you, if, if you didn't Marguerite know who you're talking about. The Muslim Anti-Racism Collaborative. Yes. Another great touch point is Dilshad Ali mm-hmm. from Shoot uh, and Hold Like I learned a lot. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot. And so it's not a matter of when you navigate social media. One of the things that, that, that she ingrained in me, Marguerite, was that I had to have best practices. Mm. I had to have ethics when it came to engaging in social media. That was one of the things that I learned at Muslim Art. So it becomes very, very important. A lot of people don't have that. Mm. A lot of people don't have that. And that's gonna show. That's gonna come out and that's gonna show. You gotta know uh, exactly how it is you're gonna convey your message, what you're gonna say, how you're gonna say it, use your words strategically. Know when you go out there and you put something out there that it's there forever. That's the truth. That is and the truth. Even if you delete point. it, because people even if you delete screen screen you know screen grab. You know how many times I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna tell on myself. But uh-huh. do you know how many times that I've had interactions with people with they've with they've posted stuff, aggressive stuff to me and everything and try to delete them? I'm like, nope, psh, too late. By the time you <laughs> I already screenshot that, you might as well forget it. <laughs> no, you don't get to hit and run. You don't get to you don't do right. that sneak attack and then back up and try to act like you're still a good Muslim after you just. <laughs> it's right mm-hmm. here, and guess what? I'm gonna post it right. on my <laughs> for the whole world. So yeah, definitely, nothing goes away or anything like that. So you have to be careful. So people are now. This forces people to engage in that and not have that opportunity. So when they were kind of like uh, backing away from it, mm-hmm. now they have no choice. Now they have no choice. I think that what is happening digitally is like there's a thinning of the herd. Mm. Come on now. We, we, well, Come we on now. But there's definitely <laughs> a thinning of the herd. I think was also with Muslim leadership, in many ways, there's, there's this like this thinning of the herd. With Muslims, there is this thinning of the herd because if you have not been able to minister to your congregants this way because you're stuck because you're what I, what I call, okay. A dinosaur. They are, they're not extinct. They still walking. And it has nothing to do with age. It has nothing to do with age because Imam Alameen Abdul Latif, he is with the New York Modulus Shore. He's the Imam of Masjid Allahu Akbar out here on Long Island. He does them. And he is, and he's it's a, a mindset. Citizen, it's a mindset. Yeah, I don't think he it has any really anything to, uh, to do with age. Yeah, it is more it. mindset. Um, to be quite honest, I have eighteen-year-old um, social media senior citizens. Well, not social media, but just other than social media, like technology. It's, it's amazing twins. to me. Yes, the twins. Not it is amazing. The, the twins. They're gonna be mad real? at me too. Yes. Yes, oh, I want okay. I wanted to to make this point um, because we're we're coming up and we're gonna have to have to wrap up and and do part two, um, but um, my challenge and I'm just gonna put this out here my challenge with social media has always been um, like where's my line at 
right? Because what I've always, I guess detest is not too big a word. It's not too strong a word. I've, I've detested this idea of, of trying to just present myself as being this one with just this one hat on, you know, this is, this is Imam Tariq, right? So I'm just going to post about, uh, I'm going to give you some Quranic, uh, some ayats, and I'm going to talk about some hadith and every, and I'm going to give you some, something uplifting and that is it, right? I don't have anything. I'm not going to talk about my family. I'm not going to crack jokes. I'm not going to be silly, you know, and I, I feel like, um, that's something I constantly remind myself of, you know, to be my whole self. Uh, and that's not, you know, taking a shot at anybody, you know, in terms of um, this whole idea, you know, we're stuck on branding, right? You know, how are you, what is your branding? And maybe that's my branding. I mean, if I'm thinking about, you know, in, in real terms. You mean pithy? Pithy? What do you mean pithy? <laughs> You know, you, you know, I, I have. That's a, not your branding, brother. I'm sorry. What's not my branding? We're going to have to take, we're going to have to No, 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 go ahead. Later. Yeah, she, she just chopped me up. Go ahead, Layla, tell me. <laughs> I'm not chopping you up. I'm not chopping you up. It's okay. You're very, listen, you know, I think that one of the things that um, I would encourage you to be. Yeah. Okay. Is, and I know it's hard. I know it is so hard. Well, first of all, when we are doing these things when we're in front of a camera and there's no one else in the room yeah okay that 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 is something that is challenging for somebody who's used to being in a room full of people mm-hmm. sitting across from them and getting cues from them that okay? is yeah you sit at the minbar mm-hmm. okay and there's all of these people in front of you and as you're speaking you're making eye contact with different people and you're getting cues from that absolutely how things go and everything like that now the camera can't do that for you right okay so i understand your conundrum about where to kind of stabilize your personality mm-hmm. all right but First of all, you've been doing this for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Second, it's like this whole idea of a short, straight to the point, uh, lackluster, dry talk out of me. <laughs> I am not down with at all. <laughs> well, no, that, that's that's not me, and, and, and I'm not. It's not you. No, no, and and I can't. And honestly, yeah. just as someone on the other on the other side, I can't stand that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there are people who do like it. Yeah. All right. And so I think that one important thing is that you, you have to be yourself. You oh, have yeah. to think about who you are as someone that's conveying a message to a camera without anybody responding to it. But you also have to come with it with the understanding that people may not like your brand. Mm-hmm. But there are people who are going to like your brand. Oh, you can't please everybody. I, I'm, you and cannot I am, please everybody. I am and good with that. I cannot stand those dry, monotone, yeah. straight looking at the camera, no animation or limited animation type of thing. Just a, a quick, quick point. So no. I was, I was actually talking about just like in social media posting, not so much in video, but what you've brought oh, up. Okay. No, but what you brought up is those are posts. gems. Those are but gems. I love your posts. Your posts are always very, very enlightening and encouraging. Well, I have a 
Okay, so I stopped important. myself from posting this picture of me with a welding hood on um, because oh, I would, you know, I, I just didn't do it. Uh, and I was about to, and I said, that's no, an Instagram do it. post, by the way. Uh, yes. And that's where I was that on IG. I took, I took actually, I took uh, Facebook off of my phone, not because of any type of, you know, I'm worried about being on it, but just because I was running out of memory. And now there's mm. so much communication coming through WhatsApp. My uh, phone kept going like, okay, your storage is... So I had to pull that off. I'll pull YouTube off. Um, I'm sitting at a doggone laptop 10 hours Turn out the day. Turn off your WhatsApp backup. That's what's happening. That's why, that's why your phone storage is dying. Mm -hmm. Is because your WhatsApp is automatically backing up to your phone. Well, I got to... So either turn mm -hmm. it off or just erase what you don't want from it. You're going to have to go in and erase what you don't want from it. Well, that's, that's another... That's another nice little job. Thank you. <laughs> One of the twins to do it. No, no, no. They, listen, I, I have to help them. I'm the techie in our house. Mm -mm. Yes. I have a house full of, I have a house full of what's called digital natives. Yeah. Okay. All of my kids, they're, they're, they're quintessential digital natives. They know the technology. They've known it. Like my little ones have known it. My daughter, when she was two years old, would open up my phone and go and get whatever app she wants mm -hmm. and open it up. So I have a house full of digital natives. I'm a digital immigrant. You're a digital immigrant. I am That's not a digital, digital immigrant. You're a digital immigrant. I'm a if digital you were native. Born, if you were born during a time before the advent of digital technology, you're an immigrant. Listen to me. You're coming into it. You were not Let born and raised with I it. was one of the first people online back in the 80s with CompuServe. See, people don't remember CompuServe. How old were you? Were you older than two? Yeah, I was older than two, of course. Then you're a digital immigrant. It's not a bad thing to be a digital immigrant. It's well, not uh, bad. All it means is, all it means is you were not born and raised with the technology like our kids were. Well, okay? I'm just saying. So just like this digital I feel like I was. more the digital immigrants who are more proficient yeah. with digital technology than digital natives. So like you and the twins and they're digital immigrants that are not as efficient. Some are more than others. Like I'm more efficient digitally than Papa Bear is, okay. you know, right. he's always coming to me on one of the kids. <laughs> <laughs> he came to me with his iPhone. He's like, Layla, what is this about? I'm like, I don't mess with iPhones. You know that. I was just about to say. I was just about to say. Okay, look. He, just by virtue of the fact that he has an iPhone alone should just be proof. Hey. <laughs> that's your E-Man. <laughs> that's your e That's what him and technology don't uh, <laughs> Okay. We we have to shut but it he's down. He's going to have to learn. Yeah, yeah. As we all do. And we're continuing to learn. My new project is I'm going to learn how to... um. I'm I'm gonna learn how to code, so. Um, oh, code! You gotta take a class. Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I've always been a, a student, so you know, uh, it's just you gotta take a class. it's just time, and and YouTube, you know, there's no, there's videos for that. Take a coding class. <clears throat> don't don't shortcut coding. No. It's very very challenging and involved. It really really is. My uh, daughter codes. Really. My daughter and my son and my son, my daughter codes more than my son does because uh -huh. she, because she's had to learn it for school. Yeah. You know, cause she's a graphic designer. So she's had, she's had to learn coding. Well, there's, um, this is the great time to learn anything. As a matter of fact, I think this is yes. a great, this is a great point to kind of close out on, uh, during this time that we are, um, in, uh, isolation, sequestered, shuddering in place, uh, shuddering. No, not shuddering. Shuddering, no pun intended. 
sheltering. <laughs> sheltering. Oh, you shut it in. <laughs> okay, both of that. Both both of those. <laughs> um, this is a great time for us to take a class, take an e-class, uh, pick yeah. up a new skill, learn a new, a new language. Um, yeah. Just, you know, become a better person on the other side of this. So, Well, on our next one, I can kind of give some suggestions about some of the uh, things that are out there, like Coursera, Skillshare. Uh, LinkedIn has uh, for people who, I'll do it next time. Okay, all right. <laughs> That's on the top of our list. Uh, and since we are since we are all shuttering and sheltering in place, um, we'll do this again uh, next week. Inshallah. Are we good? We good next week. We're right? good. Okay. I'm good. Where am I all going, right. brother? Right. <laughs> all right. We thank you all for joining us. Um, uh, we pray that Allah protect you and your families. Uh, keep us all safe. Uh, stay motivated. Continue to look for Allah's mercy. It is there always, even in times of trial. Uh, especially in times of trial. So I'm your host and producer, Tariq el I was joined by uh, Leila Abdullah-Pulos. Uh, and we will do it again next time. So remember to, uh, it's like the longest outro. Uh, don't forget to <laughs> check us out on social media. BTG with T-I-E. That's BTG with T-I-E. And you can follow Layla on social media at... Um, Layla writes love. That's right. Layla writes love. All right. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you.